Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this night, and we thank you for our special guest that's with us. And Lord, the blessings that you have given, we thank you for the privilege of just being able to assemble together. And Lord, all the work that you are doing in our hearts and lives. And Lord, we want to learn more about you and be challenged from your word tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. And uh, tonight we have... We want to be able to keep our promise, and, and God has blessed us over these years to always be able to do that, and so we want to pray about that and pray that we could add the Damascus family. Scotland, again, this is, uh, that was my message when I was on deputation to start this church, is America. Praise God, we're not as bad as Scotland is, but we're heading that direction awful fast. And so, uh, we need to pray that God will use us. Amen? So let's come and have that last song then. Amen. Let's take our Bibles once again and go to the book of Philippians. I keep thinking, well, this is going to be the last uh, one. And uh, then I get looking through the week and I say, oh, man, there's one more verse. We One more passage we did not cover in depth as we went through the book of Philippians. And we do have at least one more after this. but And this is not necessarily in order, but I want us to go to Philippians Chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 5 through 10. As Paul is writing, 
He's, he's telling them that in verse 3, I thank my God upon every remembrance, and let's just keep reading, always in every prayer of mine for, your, for you all, making request with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it, Unto the day of Jesus Christ, even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye all are partakers of my grace. For God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense, offense till the day of Christ. Now, as we read these verses, we are impressed, or should be, by Paul's affection or love for the Philippian church. And yet, the, the title that I picked for tonight's Bible study is A Measure of Love. Uh, what was the famous poet, How Do I Love Thee? Let Me Count the Ways. And it goes on and on and on. And I can't even remember who wrote those words. I, I will tell you this. Probably didn't mean it. Not like the Bible tells us. We have people that try to measure their love in many different ways that when we open the Bible, all of a sudden we find out that what they call love can't be measured in the way that they do it. I don't know how many times it just makes my blood go up. Oh, oh, don't you just love those little children too much? You can't say no to them. Oh, That's not love. That's not love at all. You say you love them so much you cannot discipline them. You cannot say no to your children. You're not in love with the child. You're in love with yourself. Because there are two words that a child must know the definition of. Uh, That's what my dad gave me in education. He taught me the meaning of two words. No and now. If you know the meaning of those two words, how many people you fired at work because they didn't know the meaning of those words, Brother Dave? I mean, come on. Uh, It's just that way. Uh, We say we love such and such and... Yet, when we try to measure that love or we try to put a, a um, quality or quantity to that, all of a sudden we find out that we have nothing in the Bible to back us up. And, and what Paul is doing here is he is first affirming his love. He says, every time I pray about this church, and, and we went through this and we called this You know, Paul's introduction and and his prayer, his confidence, his hope, his expectation for the Philippians. Because 
they had a fellowship in the gospel. And again, this is leading in that direction. See, there's a lot of things called fellowship. It's not fellowship. Well, technically, what is fellowship? Two fellows in a ship. Well, not always. Uh, the, the fellowship in the gospel means there's an agreement and our agreement is based in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, I get advertisements, I get letters, uh, phone calls uh, on, on a fairly regular basis about we have a job to do to reach the world and we are going to reach the world and we want you to join with us for this uh, Northeastern Youth Conference. Not a word about local church. Not a word about what Bible version to use. And, and it's got a picture of a rock band on the front of it there and how we're going to reach people. That's not fellowship. Not biblical fellowship. Because our biblical Fellowship is based on the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you take the gospel and you tweak it and you modify it, then it's no longer Jesus' gospel because it's unique to you and to your organization. If it's going to be Jesus' gospel, if it's going to be the gospel that Paul's talking about, it's got to be unchanged, unedited, untweaked. Someone said, well, you use a computer. Isn't that modernistic? Yeah, I use a computer so I can find my Bible verses faster. Uh, I'm not using a computer to change what the Bible teaches. I use it to confirm what the Bible teaches by comparing Scripture with Scripture. Amen? And Paul's saying, our fellowship is based on the Gospel, and that's why I'm confident that this thing which has begun in you is going to continue. People read verse 6, and, and they just want to put all kinds of things in there that God never intended. He says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day... Of Jesus Christ. And I've heard people say, yes, we have our interdenominational prayer group and God is blessing us just as he did the Apostle Paul. Well, wait a minute. That's not the fellowship of the gospel. Because you're dropping every major point so that you can get along. I love the story my pastor, Roy Thompson, told uh, one time he was obligated to show up to this thing and there were preachers from all over and and he's sitting there at the table and they're talking and it was some kind of political thing and and uh he just said you know what he said i got the orthodox priest sitting right over here and uh was some other kind of preacher sitting here and he said i'll bet i could get something started And so he started talking to him about some doctrine that he held truly. And then he turned over to this. You believe that? Oh, no, we don't believe. And boom, fireworks. Uh, There was at least entertainment at the meeting. And the reason I illustrate it that way is simply this. There was nothing going on in this meeting that was based on agreement. 
That type of agreement is fake, foolish, and unbiblical. If we're going to have fellowship, biblical fellowship, it's got to be defined by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, It would help if we had the same Bible in order to be able to define that, now wouldn't it? It would help if we were reading off the same page. It would help if we were using the same dictionary. I've met people and they say, oh, I believe that. And I'm sitting there going, no, I don't think you do. And we, we live in a world where people have alternate truth. Now, my mom was not what we would call greatly educated, but she had another word for alternate truth. She said, you're lying to me. And when my mama said that to me, I knew that I was in deep trouble, as deep a trouble as a little boy could get into, because that was just one thing you never did. There is no such thing as alternate truth. And Paul's confidence is because God had begun the work. His confidence was that God was going to finish that work. Let's go to Romans chapter 8 here, and we're going to try to move very quickly, but I just wanted to get this in tonight. Romans chapter 8 and verse 16, it says, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now, if we just take that verse there out of context and just leave it stand, what you get is, ah, oh, I was there and I just felt like it was the right place. Is that what this verse is talking about? Absolutely not. God's truth is not subject to your feelings. How many of you remember the first time you realized that the Bible convicted you as a sinner? Did you feel good about that? If you did, there's more wrong with you than you could ever imagine. That, that should have been an offensive truth. Is, am I not correct? Uh, the first time that you made a realization that hell was a real place and you just might end up there. That should have been terrifying. You should never feel good about that. You see, what Paul was saying here, and one of the ways that we know Scripture works with Scripture here, is Paul says, the Holy Spirit is in me, the Holy Spirit is in you, because you saved, and we have an agreement, because we believe exactly the same thing, the fellowship of the gospel. You see, our unity in our church is based upon our doctrine, not in spite of it. We don't ask you to change what you, uh, to modify what you believe so you can be a part of this church. We ask you to change what you believe to be a part of this church. We ask you to alter what you believe, so that it comes into agreement, not with Pastor Pete Montoro, but with the words of God. So that the authority in our church is no longer in the hands of a human being, 
It's not in a denomination. It's not in a name. It's in the very book that God has given us. And that's where the confidence comes from. And so as we see this, let's, let's keep going on here. And let's go back to the book of Philippians again. And, and Paul says... Even as I, even it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart. Inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye are, ye all are partakers of my grace. You see, there's a mutual participation here. One of the reasons we have missionaries like Brother Damastus in is because I can believe in having talked to him that what he's going to do in Scotland is exactly what we're trying to do here. I told a missionary that one time and he said, yeah, you'd be one of those preachers that come and check up on me and then cut my support because I'm not doing things the way you would do it. I said, where in the world did that come from, brother? I said, we have no intention of doing that. We're not going to take you on in the first place. Amen? Uh, Because that kind of attitude is not biblical. If you don't know what you believe and you're going to the mission field, why in the world would we support you? If you believe something different, it's not our job to correct you. That's your pastor's job. And if he didn't do a good enough job, well, then we'll support somebody else because we don't have enough money to support all the missionaries we could be supporting right now. Amen? And so what we have here is a confidence. And if you've ever met someone that you can work together with and get something done, now, how many of you have actually met Bill Langway, our, our, our ceiling guy? Uh, just, just a few people. Now, Bill is Bill. He, he's just an unusual man. But I'll tell you something. I love Bill. You know why I love Bill? Because he's going to put the ceiling up next week while I'm at youth conference in Oklahoma City. And he'll do a better job without me helping him than he would if I were helping him because he is good and I'm not. I'm adequate, but now Bill is excellent. And so Andrew is going to help him and because Andrew can follow directions, he'll do exactly what Bill says. And when we come back, the black iron's going to be up and the only thing we'll have to do is pop on hangers and the grid goes up in less than a day's time. Oh, that's cool. That's, that's why I like Mr. Bill, because, you know what? We have mutual participation. And that guy is infectious. Uh, I, I said, listen, we need to park your car, so show up about uh, 10 o'clock. And Andrew's already forewarned. He'll be here about 4.30, sitting on the church steps waiting, uh, because that's who Bill is. How can you not appreciate somebody like Bill? How can you not help but have some biblical affection toward a man who's willing to do those things and sacrifice in that way to help us out? And he'd come without the love offering just because he loves doing the Lord's work. But I think we ought to 
do something to help them out a little bit. Amen? To, to be a partaker in that. And that's what Paul's saying. He said, listen, everything I've ever done, the Philippian church has been there. That's why I love you guys so much. That's Paul's love for the Philippians. Now he turns completely 180, and now he's praying for the Philippians and their love. He says, and this I pray that your love may abound. He says, my love's abounding to you guys because we share the fellowship of the gospel. The work that was begun there was done by God. And when God starts something, I know God's going to finish it. It has nothing mystical involved here. The same Holy Spirit that was in the lives of the Philippian church was the same one that Paul had. And that's what that talking about the Spirit itself beareth witness. We know because here's how the Holy Spirit works in your life. How many of you remember discipleship lesson six on the Holy Spirit? How does the Holy Spirit work? He gives you understanding of what's written down. Anything else is not the Spirit. I don't care how good you feel about it. The Spirit job is to enlighten or teach us what the Bible says. And by the way, if you come up with something that no one else has ever come up with, that's not the Spirit either. You see, the Spirit agrees with Himself. He's not going to give you something unique that nobody else ever had because you don't need something unique. You need what's already been written down. Amen? And now Paul says, I'm praying for you Philippians. And here's where I get the idea here of measuring your love, a way to test your love. It says... I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in warm, wishy-gushy feelings and tender care one for another. Is that what it says in your King James Bible? I'm so glad that it doesn't. Here's what it says. Your love may abound yet more and more in what? Knowledge. And in all judgment. How many times have you heard, judge not, lest ye be judged. The only people that quote that verse that way are people that are doing something that's not written in the Bible and they know it. Isn't that true? How many of you have had someone come beside you at a point in your life and lovingly correct you and keep you in the way that you should go. How many of you have had that happen? That's love. Some of you might remember way back 17 years ago, we had Dr. Art Wilson come and preach just a few years before he passed away. Dr. Wilson was completely blind, but... He would make me get up here and he paced off the platform so that he could walk and preach without assistance. And nobody knew that he couldn't see until he left. That was just the kind of man Dr. Wilson was. And I loved to hear Dr. Wilson preach. By the time he got to our church, his sermons were kind of short. They were only about 90 minutes long. And... Uh, I remember at a national fellowship meeting in Bible college, they put him on right before lunch. 
They said, certainly he'll have pity on us and not preach through lunch. And they, uh, even the guy that introduced him, now Dr. Wilson, you know, we got a lot of students here that got to get lunch and get to where he preached for two hours straight. And I'll tell you what, I was there and I enjoyed being late for work. Uh, I, I'd rather hear him preach than miss lunch. But here's why I'm telling you about Dr. Wilson, because Dr. Wilson's wife, Elaine, when I was a student in Bible college, sat me down and read me the riot act. You know why? Because she loved me. And one of the reasons I'm able to stand in this pulpit today was because Mrs. Wilson judged me. She had enough love to do that. Now, that doesn't mean you run around judging other people and controlling other people. What we're talking about here is in all knowledge. In knowledge, I'm sorry, and in all judgment. Does your love abound in knowledge? Do you know more about God this year than you did last year? If you don't, according to this passage, we need to pray that we'll grow. Because it is my love, if I'm going to measure my love here, it says that it's going to abound yet more and more. Now, when that phrase more and more is used in your Bible, it's not talking about one plus one equals two. Two plus two. No, it's talking about multiplication. Read the story when Jesus was talking about a fold. In the Bible, he talks about the seed producing some 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. Do you know what one-fold is? One-fold is the normal production of the seed. If you put a, one seed of wheat, one kernel of wheat in the ground, you're going to get a head of wheat about that long with many little kernels on it. Maybe 10 or 12, 20 kernels of wheat. That's one fold. Now multiply that by putting one seed in the ground and getting the harvest from 30 seeds. That's 30 fold. This is beyond multiplication. This is how God wants His knowledge to grow in our hearts. This is one of the measurements. And in judgment, what is knowledge? Knowledge is knowing facts. How many of you have ever known a fact and found out that it wasn't right? You see, that's why... All judgment, it doesn't say all knowledge, because there's some knowledge that you just don't need. Uh, I listen to sometimes, try to listen to a talk show host and get get, uh, what's going on, and he has a fellow that calls him up every so often. I can't remember his name, but his title is The Keeper of Odd Knowledge. And uh, this man has made an entire life of finding weird and unusual facts and recording them in such a way that he can access those weird and unusual facts at the proper time. 
And so every once in a while, he'll call up and he'll give some strange little story that actually fits. And you say, how weird does this guy have to be? Don't be that person. God does not need keepers of odd knowledge. He wants us to fellowship in the gospel of Jesus Christ. But if you're going to be a better Christian this year, if you're going to love more this coming year than you did last year, you're going to have to know more. Amen? That was Paul's prayer. And you're going to have to have all judgment. You're going to have to abound in all judgment. All judgment is the difference between right and wrong. But could I challenge you, too many of us as Christians live on the edge between what is right and what is wrong. You wonder why we struggle when we're weak and we're constantly plagued with an ineffective Christian life, one that does not reach the world in which we live and accomplish the things that we want. Look at verse 10. If you want that love to abound in knowledge and in all judgment, that ye may approve things that are... What's that next word there? Excellent. Now, that's a word that people hate today. Who do you think you are? Isn't an A good enough for you? You have to have a 99.9? I mean... They get that attitude. But how many of us can recognize excellence when we see it? And if you had a choice between acceptable and excellent, how many of you would choose acceptable on purpose? That's silly. I, I would... I would much rather have excellent than than acceptable. Well, have you ever thought about this? Here's what Paul's saying. He said, I want your love to abound in knowledge and in all judgment because if you have this love in you, you're going to be able to approve things that are excellent. Now, I want you to look with me at some of these references, and we'll try to be very careful, quick with our time here. Careful. Ephesians chapter 4. And uh, verse 15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. This is the process of growing in the church. This is the context is in the local church, how we can go. How do we do that? We have to speak the truth in love. Now, what's that love going to do? It's going to give us knowledge and, what did it say? All judgment. That's going to help us to approve things that are excellent. Uh, Just a few pages over to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now, here's what's going on in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Paul is talking about the coming of Antichrist and and the ability of him to deceive 
And we look at verse 10 here. And with all deceivableness, this is talking about Antichrist, of unrighteousness in them that perish. Look what it says. Because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. You know, there are people that refuse to love truth. I've met many people that struggle over the years. And and, and they'll say, Pastor, I'm just not sure I'm saved. I'm not sure I'm ready to get saved. Here's If you'll receive a love of the truth, you're going to get saved. Because who is truth? Jesus is, isn't he? I am the way, the truth, and the life. Are you getting the connections here? You see, this love that abounds in knowledge is connected to truth. And we love that truth. It's going to lead us to salvation. And not only to salvation, but as Paul said in verse 6, that continuation of the work of God in our lives until the day of Christ. And, and let's go to 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 22. 1 Peter 1:22, And it says here, Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. You see, this is how that works. If I allow the Spirit of God to work in me, it's going to make me love other people. Paul says, this is my love for you, Philippians. This is the pattern right here. And I'm praying that that same pattern will be developed in your life as Paul came in preaching knowledge and judgment, separation from sin and separation from the world in which they live. And as Paul preached those things... God planted His seed and the Philippians got saved and they organized the church there and things were moving in the right direction. And Paul says, I've got confidence that that's going to continue. And listen, I'm praying that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment that you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. You know, we, we live in a world of insincerity, do we not? We, we live in a world where people are just not real. What's one of the favorite lines of our... Are you for real? Yes. What you see is what you get. It might not be much, but that's all there is. Because our fellowship is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our love needs to abound in knowledge and in all judgment. Who am I supposed to be sincere to? Not the world first. How about Jesus first? Without offense. 
Am I going to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ without offense to the world in which I live? Absolutely not, my friend. Something would be desperately wrong with a person who is not offended by their own sin and the prospect of their eternity in hell separated forever from God. That's, that is offensive, is it not? But we're much more afraid in our day and time to offend men than we are to offend God. When Paul's talking here, that offense and that sincerity is directed to God because God is going to continue that sincerity, that integrity, that honesty. He is the one that if we offend, we are of all men most miserable. Your Bible says, let all men, let God be true and what? All men liars. That's offensive. See, how am I going to measure my love? Knowledge and judgment. How is it going to work out in my life? I'm going to get out of the realm of right versus wrong. I need to live between good and excellence. By God's grace, inching toward excellence so that I can be sincere and without offense until the day of Jesus Christ. And that's got to be soon. Amen? You see, Paul's little message right here, this little passage, he says, I love you, but I want to pray that your love grows, abounds, not just addition, not just multiplication, but exponentially if you're into mathematics, uh, 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 um, a multiplication that is out of control that doesn't fit within the realms of standard understanding. Because as Paul goes through the book of Philippians, he's going to tell us that it's the peace of God that passeth all understanding that keeps your hearts and minds. Amen? How many of us could use our hearts and minds kept a little more? Every one of us. How many would say, Pastor, I want more love in my life? I think every hand would go up. Well, you're ready to learn more about Jesus? Are you ready to get a better knowledge of this book called the Bible than you had before? Uh, by the way, that knowledge is going to bring a better understanding of the difference between what's right and what's wrong, the difference between what's imitation and what's true. That's judgment. And when that comes in my life, I then stop living between the difference of right and wrong and start approving those things that are excellent so that I can live in a way so that I can be a tool in the hand of God. We do not need to be offensive for the sake of being offensive. I've met some Men and women over the years that their their sole goal. I met one preacher. He said, 
Yeah, I said, my ministry is to scare Catholics. And I'm going, wow, I don't want to work with you. I have no intention of scaring Catholics. What I would like to do is give them the gospel so they could choose to get saved. Amen? This is what Paul wanted for the Philippians. You get these measurements out and all of a sudden you don't feel warm and ushy-gushy inside, do you? Uh, You start measuring knowledge and judgment in your own life. Not only are you going to come up woefully short, but... Well, that's... That's not... That's not affection. Uh, What does the Bible tell the husband in the book of Peter? Dwell with them how? According to knowledge. You want love in your house, man? You better get to know your wife a little bit better. You, you want love in your relationship with Jesus Christ? You better get to know him a little better. In fact, a lot better. But I promise you it's going to bring judgment. You're going to see things that are wrong that got to be corrected because... There are things I I hope and pray that I've gotten a little better of since I met my wife because she doesn't like that. And so I try never to do that. You know why? Because I'm learning. I know. Why can't we treat the Lord that way? Amen? That you may approve things that are excellent because our God is excellent. He's not satisfied with half measures and the best you can do. That's why Jesus died on the cross. Amen? And that's why he wants us to approve things that are excellent so that we don't offend him. So that we don't come to God trying to be a good little Christian. That's not sincere. That's, we want to come to God just as we are, but wouldn't it be better if God could use what he's changed us into being? That's where the knowledge and the judgment comes in. And by the way, that's where the continuation... I don't continue in my service to Christ to keep my salvation. I continue in my service to Christ because I have my salvation. And all God's people said, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight and we thank you for these few verses out of this book of Philippians and Paul's love for the Philippians. And yet, Lord, we look at that prayer that he had. And that prayer was all about love. But there are measures in there of that love. And those measures are knowledge and all judgment. It works out to an approval of things that are excellent, no longer concerned with the difference between right and wrong, because we're so far past that. Lord, I pray that you would work that type of Christianity in our hearts and in our lives. 
that we would open our eyes to the knowledge that you would give us that's already written down in your word. We do not need to seek it any special place. But we do need to seek it where it is, where it's written down. Help us, Lord. Work in our lives that that love may abound more and more. In Jesus' name we pray. And before we finish that prayer, we'll have the piano play. We'll just keep our heads bowed. If you need to slip out and spend a few moments, the altar is open.